Hi, welcome to Two Towns Over. This show is made possible by our patrons. If you want to monetarily support the show, we're at patreon.com slash two towns over. If you can't support us financially, then you can support us algorithmically by liking, rating, and sharing. Thanks. Enjoy the show. through this oh, good. <laughs> I, I pulled discord back up and ruben has started playing putt party oh that mm-hmm. that happened while he was getting apple juice <laughs> oh. so this script is um i was lazy and see it's a real quick it's my script next week right yes it is okay so uh, before we get super into it, I'm working on a big one. Yeah, he oh, is. Nice. Yeah, I'm. Mm-hmm. I'm not even. I'm not even gonna say. Yeah, I'm not even gonna say what it is. I'm gonna drop hints in the Discord <laughs> throughout this week about what this script is gonna be on. But it, it's it's a fucking big one. Yeah. Um. You said it's probably gonna be okay. a two parter. Almost certainly. Okay. Because I told Josh Rubin, I don't know if 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 you were, I don't know if I just directly talked to Josh or if you were in on a conversation. I don't know. Um, the episode that dropped today, La Llorona, was episode ninety two, and we had planned uh, to do a, a big big one for episode one hundred. So that's eight weeks from today. So two months from today, and at some point, I've got to start writing that script. I've been reading and researching. But I've got to start writing that script. So we may have to, depending how things pan out, we may have to shift. And you, Josh, or Leanne need uh, may have to like change positions at one point just so I have time to write this script. Because this is going to be like on like the level of West Memphis as far as size. <clears throat> no so. worries. All right. And that'll be uh, that'll be a big help with like the one that I'm working on right now. That'll almost certainly be two parts. That's yeah. two weeks done. If Ruben were able to write a two-parter, then that would be four weeks total yeah. of episodes. I'll that, try to figure something out. Yeah. So, I don't know if I'm good at writing two-parters, but... Well, we're going to find out. I'll definitely try. I mean, if you find one that's worth writing two parts about. Because, like, yeah. True. you know, I, I wrote about... Um, Fuck, what what was my my last episode? Ant Hill Kids. Fuck me. Um Ant yeah. Hill Kids. Yeah. I thought for certain I was gonna get two parts out of Ant Hill Kids. I didn't even get ten pages. Yeah. It's Cause yeah. you pussed out. So, you know. Yeah, it's it's weird. Once and that you was get to one about... worth pussing out about, to be clear. <laughs> yeah. Well that one is it well, not even just that one. It's 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 weird because once you get to about five pages, you feel like that seems like enough information uh-huh <laughs> and then there's more yeah maybe i mean it, it it depends it depends on the story like west memphis i mean we were covering jesus like almost 20 years worth of information and yeah 
it's going to be the same thing with uh, our 100th episode is going to be, well, like 30 years of information. So, yeah, probably looking at at least a three parter, maybe a four parter. I'm not certain yet. But, I I love that we're we're keeping secrets yeah, right now. Yeah, although we've probably ex- said it, and we just never we don't remember. You know, like I don't remember Leanne's <laughs> name ninety percent of the time, or I remember it. It's just the wrong wow. name that I remember. But anyways, John thinks he remembers. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, you guys can't see, but I'm wearing my Zach Bagans Haunted Museum shirt just to piss you off. So. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, this script that uh, or the story we're doing this week was actually one that I wrote a year ago. Um, and we were going to have the boys from Chuddle the Pod join us. And it has just been a scheduling nightmare. And it's just been sitting there. And since we're doing like a cleaning all hands, you know, cleaning the decks of all the old stuff and kind of not really changing what we're doing, but changing what we're doing. Um, a bit. Yeah. A I decided to, and it, I. It is, is. It is a new era. We are no longer an urban legends podcast yeah. in name, and uh, in name only. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I also I have I found something else, another idea to do with the Chuddle the Pod Boys. If we can ever schedule time with them, that I think would be better for them, anyways. But uh, so this I week, I do miss the Chuddle Boys. I do too. They were cool. I mean, they still they two of them are in our Discord, so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Brian pops in all the time. Yeah. So this week, we are going to talk about the, once again, urban legend of snuff films. <laughs> I, I gotta say, <laughs> I gotta say, it's so weird that we named ourselves an urban legends podcast and then did primarily true crime. <laughs> And now here we are well, removing the subtitle and immediately doing like four urban legends in a back row. Back to back like, to back. <laughs> well, it's because the fucking subject list had urban legends, but it was trying to find the true crime aspect to it to attach to it. And right. It, it was just. That's, I, uh, I don't want to get too far into this, but your original idea for the show in doing an urban legend and then doing in the same episode the the real life inspiration or what was inspired by the urban legend was so brilliant don it was it was genius. very good and then we found out that there were like six ten. of those like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we should have just been a short like a mini series but i'm i want more so and there is honestly there is a true crime attached to this this story so we'll have a little bit of a true crime oh for sure so the greatest myth in the film industry is that of a snuff film there have been innumerable allegations and frantic inquiries but no snuff film has ever surfaced before you guys say anything let me continue here no one has ever been found guilty (laughs) snuff films are in essence a fear strategy created by the media to frighten the general audience Now, snuff films have a very precise definition. They are regarded as movies where a death is captured on camera. The deliberate killing is done in order to film the scene for financial gain. There is frequently a sexual element to the murder, either in the form of a pornographic scenario that ends horrifically 
or in the ultimate product being used for sex. The fact that some of the most well-known instances of real death on screen, like the sequence in the Rolling Stone concert film Give Me Shelter where the Hell's Angels are beating a concert goer, are not regarded as snuff because the deaths were unintentional. Some deaths captured on camera, such as terrorist decapitating victims, are not done for financial gain, but rather to further a philosophy, no matter how illogical. So, by definition, that definition... So, essentially, so essentially what you're saying is a snuff film is a very is not just that a death was on camera it's that it was an intentional death specifically to make money from the filming of that specific death correct yes. <clears throat> so something like live leak that's even though somebody you may see somebody die or what was it uh something rotten no that's a fucking broadway play uh rotten.com or um <laughs> Yeah, yeah, dude. You know all the people that they killed on stage during something rotten, <laughs> starring Sharknado Three. It's Will weird Wiley. that they could do it for so long, you know. So, um, usually you only get one showing of that. Yeah. So although it's exactly, uh, I, I got to see Sharknado Three in Devotions. Will Wiley the other night. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you take uh, care of what we I, have to do I, with I was him? Doing great. No, no, I did mention it though. Okay. Uh, we're we still have to work a day out. Um, no, I, uh, I broke my sobriety. Oh Oh, yeah. 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 It was, it was one of my coworkers birthday. And so I, uh, I was like, I'm going to come out to the bar. I'm going to have one beer. And I went out to the bar and I had one beer. Yep. And six shots of Jameson. Cause it turns out I still do what I said in six shots of Jameson. Nope. (laughs) Nope, I had no other liquor. Uh, Mark offered me liquor. I declined it. Uh, I I did, however. I was I was a, I was a little bad boy, and I I did smoke one cigarette, and it was really good. Don't tell the kids that. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, although its exact origins are unknown, Ed Sanders is create is credited with coining the term "snuff" in this sense in his 1971 book *The Family: The Story of Charles Manson's Dune Buggy Attack Battalion*, which is the greatest um, fucking title. Amazing name, first of all, <laughs> Dune Buggy Attack Battalion. That is Ghost Strokes, uh, <laughs> pr- like um, pre pre recording, like kitchen mixtape. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> um, Doom. Wow, good shit. That sounds like a fucking crazy anime. Yeah, it does. <laughs> oh shit, yo, like Speed <laughs> Racer type animation. Yeah, Speed Racer mixed with like Transformers <laughs> or something. It would be sick. Um, but no, the I. So the only thing I know about snuff films comes from like a literally a true crime episode of like um, the uh, Criminal Minds, maybe. Yeah, where a true crime, uh, a criminal minds episode uh-huh. where like uh, uh, they were trying to catch someone called the Black Widow. And that was her whole deal was that was she would like snuff films. Yeah, she was making snuff films by inviting people over to fuck them and then kill them on camera, essentially. Sure. Um. So that was that was about it. Yeah, there was so also the one of um, my favorite like reimaginings of snuff films is in cyberpunk so in cyberpunk they have these things called brain dances where it's like 
full dive VR. Mm-hmm. Basically, you you are fully there. You feel it. It's fucking Neuralink trademarked into your brain. Yeah, and pain receptors the the whole nine yards. And so uh, there are groups who will capture somebody and uh, torture and murder them, and then have them hooked up recording a brain dance mm-hmm. the whole time. Mm-hmm. So that then other sickos mm-hmm. can experience that yeah cyberpunk's fucking cool <laughs> so there was also uh, a nicholas cage movie called eight millimeter that was about snuff films what yeah it's called no no, no. What, literally yeah, what did again. you say i said there was a nicholas cage movie called eight millimeter that was about snuff films <gasps> oh wait a minute is that what you saw i maybe is maybe it, uh he played what is a, the plot he played a detective don't, don't who was <laughs> who was asked to find someone's daughter that went missing and he discovered that she was killed in a snuff film and it was like the rest of the movie was him trying to bring down the snuff film makers i th- i think that might be it i think that might be the thing i'm thinking of well Maybe. I don't know. But, yeah, so the phrase snuff... That uh, sounds very familiar, though. Or the phrase snuff film was used to describe a f- the few movies, a few movies that were purportedly made in the California desert and shot by the Manson family. Manson and his cronies pilfered an NBC news truck filled with filming equipment during the summer of 1969. An unidentified family member stated that they had heard of a snuff film that the gang had made, but they had never seen the movie. And the term stuck, even though no snuff videos or proof of their existence were ever discovered. Now, snuff films soon started to include the Manson family as a crucial, if unintentional, component. In short, Charles Manson was a lifelong criminal who recruited roughly 20 young women, as well as a few men, into his cult known as the family. Yeah, we're doing a little bit background on Charles Manson. We'll do a deep dive. Don't worry. (laughs) Who resided in an abandoned movie ranch during the Summer of Love. He persuaded a couple of his cult members to kill actress Sharon Tate and several of her associates by breaking into the Hollywood Hills covertly, yeah, breaking into the Hollywood Hills house covertly in August of 1969. Lino LaBianca, the executive of a supermarket, and his spouse Rosemary were murdered by the family a few nights later. Manson gave his followers instructions to scrawl witchy messages in the blood of the victims on the walls. Manson thought that all of this would lead to the start of Helter Skelter, which in his mind was a race conflict that he thought was predicated in the Beatles song, Helter Skelter. And we'll do a much deeper dive into Helter all that. Helter Skelter. Yeah. Now, Michael and Roberta Findlay. That's, so that's, I'm just, I'm just going to throw it out there. That's not how it happened in uh, the Quentin Tarantino movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, I know. Don't they get stopped or something? Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio burns one of them to death with a flamethrower. Uh, okay. Brad Pitt makes his dog uh chew the other one's balls off, and uh then there's uh Uma Thurman's daughter is there. Uh, she just runs away, and uh, <laughs> Brad Pitt like breaks one's face on a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. So Michael and Roberta. Oh, and Brad Pitt's on acid the whole time. <laughs> Michael and Roberta Finley, a husband and wife team. <laughs> now of- it's a kid, and now it's a Tarantino. 
So Michael and Roberta Finley, a husband and wife team of filmmakers, traveled to South America in 1971 to film the movie Slaughter, a hippie cult slasher movie with a Manson theme. Now, years passed before Alan Shackleton, the founder of Monarch Releasing Corporation and a well-known figure in the exploitation cinema industry, came up with the concept for the completely unmemorable and somewhat fictionalized account of the Manson family killings. In the early 1970s, there were rumors that snuff films were being imported into the United States from South America, despite the fact that none of these purported shipments were ever found. Shackleton capitalized on the excitement and added five minutes of video at the end of the movie Slaughter. He employed a man by the name of Carter Stevens. Now, the camera angle changes to a long shot as Slaughter comes to a conclusion, showing the workers finishing off the movie. Now that the entire, quote, behind-the-scenes activity is on display, the stagehand confides in the director that the graphic previous scene made her feel attracted to him as the crew starts cleaning up. The director takes advantage of this to play about with her on the prop bed, but he shortly finds out that they are still being filmed by the camera. Her attempts to stop only serve to bolster the director's confidence. The director receives tools from one of the team members, and he uses them to brutally dismember his victim. Uh, leader tape appears in the film, giving the impression that the only reason they stopped was because they ran out of film. Now, the new movie... So... What? Wait a second. That's brilliant as a horror movie concept, yeah. first of all, because I got to tell you, Don, just you, I've never seen Slaughter. You guys know I'm not like a horror movie guy. Um, <clears throat> uh, so I've obviously never seen Slaughter. Um, that made me uncomfortable. Yeah, like that's that's brilliant. Yeah, that's amazing. Like just your description of the scene it made me be able to see it happen in my head and that's fucking crazy. Um that's good film. That's good that's good storytelling. Oh shit. Never what mind. happened? No, there was another um I can't remember the name of it now. It was actually a, a Japanese film. And I can't remember the name of it. And I meant to write about it and forgot. And I was trying to bring it up so I could find it. And it was, it was, it was a movie that was made, like I said, in Japan. And Charlie Sheen uh, got a copy of it, and it, um, he got so freaked out by it that he actually called the police. And it was just, and it was something like Blood Hamster or something like that. And when I typed it into the search engine uh -huh. and I put snuff and hamster, um. Uh, yeah, good job. Yeah, good Dawn. job, Don. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, anyways, we're just gonna. If skip the police that. come to your house, just show them this clip. <laughs> just give them this audio and be like, "Look, man, I don't know what came over me." <laughs> so, the new movie, now called Snuff instead of Slaughter, is even more illicit due to the lack of credits. So they didn't put any credits at the end. So it was literally like you just saw something you shouldn't have. So Shackleton wow. devised multiple promotional phrases to guarantee the product's financial success, such as the most gory event ever captured on camera, or they said this picture could never be shown. Lastly, and probably most famous, made in South America, where life is cheap. Now, even though it was very clear that this was not a... Ah. What? So, okay... So when was this happening? Uh, nineteen seventy, I believe, seventy-one. 
in the early 70s. It was okay. not an exact date. Yeah, so the the first film had that scene. No. And then credits. The first film in didn't have the scene with the director. The first film just ended and then they went and added five minutes to make it look like it was after the final scene was shot and it was being captured on camera. Right. But the original movie Slaughter did not have that scene. That scene was added to it and the movie was changed to be called Snuff. Got it. Okay. So then that so then that one does not have credits. Correct. The okay. original one did. Got it. So so it starts out by a racism by telling all these people in the 70s that hey, this couldn't have happened except for in South America where life is cheap. Right. And and so you go to the theater and you're, you know, a normal theater goer in the 70s. You know nothing about South America except that's where people who speak Spanish live. And you essentially are shown a horror movie with a snuff film at the end. Right. And you think that's real because there's no credits. There's no come down off of that. Yeah. Right. Right. So and you walk home and you're or you drive home and you're thinking and you're talking to your buddies and you're like, man, I can't believe they showed that in uh-huh. the theater. Right. Like, yeah, they showed it in the theater because they proved that that actress could walk and talk after that scene <laughs> was, you know what I mean? Right. Like, so, <sighs> yeah. So even though it was very clear that this was not a true snuff picture, the general public was inquisitive enough to feel compelled to watch it. And the appeal was increased by the women's organizations that picketed it. Now, over the 50 years since the term snuff was first used... I don't blame them on that one. Yeah. Uh, I'm fucking... I'm fully with that. Many hoaxes, fakes, and fruitless investigations have been made. South America produces two of the snuff flicks that are most often mentioned. In one, a gigantic snake devours young girls in a scene known as Snake Feast. In another, a swarm of alligators rips apart ten girls... Uh, or young ladies, depending on who you ask. Now, there is no proof that any of these movies ever existed. Rumors and word of mouth are all that remain. So that brings us to 1980 and the movie Cannibal Holocaust. Now, Cannibal Holocaust is renowned for being a graphic... um, Okay. um, Yeah, a graphic movie with a lot of fancy effects, but little more. Now, there were actual animal deaths in the film but the deaths of the humans were not the plot was a party of explorers venture into the jungle to find out the truth about what really happened to a crew of documentary filmmakers in what was the first found footage film um from the video recordings retrieved from the hey wait a minute what isn't that the con that's the same concept that w- there's a movie, the a Blair new movie, like a new, huh? The Blair Witch no. Project. I know they're remaking Blair Witch. No, no, no. It's like the similar concept of there was like a group of researchers or students or something that, that go into the forest. Yeah, that was the Blair Witch Project. And... No, I'm not done. Okay, they're in the rainforest, oh. not the woods. 
and they oh. get captured by like essentially a tribe of like cannibals. Yeah, it was called like and, Green uh, Flame uh, or except something. Except it doesn't go like it goes in Pirates of the Caribbean. Right. <laughs> um, that was an Eli Roth movie. I think I think what you're thinking of. It was called Green Flame or something like that. Yes. Green Fire. That was he, he was a huge fan of Cannibal Holocaust. So it was kind of his okay. tribute to Cannibal Holocaust. Like an homage. Right. I like that. That's cool. I but always yeah. thought that that concept was interesting. I never went and saw it, but yeah. So I from, mean, I don't care to see depictions of people getting eaten. So, so from the video yeah. recordings retrieved from the jungle, they learn of rape, torture, and murder often committed by the so-called civilized documentarians. Now, within weeks following the movie's premiere, Ruggiero Didato, the filmmaker, was taken into custody by Italian officials. He was ju- first just accused of obscenity in connection with the animal murders. But the courts modified the allegations after a French magazine called Photo implied that the movie was authentic snuff. Diodato was facing murder charges. Ironically, Diodato had his cast sign contracts that barred them from participating in any other shows or movies or doing interviews for a year following the movie's premiere. This served to maintain the impression that the movie was authentic. Actors were released from Diodato's contract and made an appearance in court, and all accusations were withdrawn since the victims of the alleged murder were still alive. Oh, fucking hell. It is in the script. Fuck, so I just looked up porn for nothing. <sighs> it's been a year since I fucking re- I, I wrote this script, so forgive me that I forgot everything that was in it. So Charlie Sheen... You're good, you're good. And one of the infamous Japanese guinea pig flicks was involved in one of the most well-known snuff investigations. The aforementioned 1985 movie Guinea Pig 2, Flower of Flesh and Blood, has no storyline. Jesus. And is just 45 minutes of a man dressed as a samurai dismembering and eviscerating a young woman. The actor Charlie Sheen. Holy shit. Yeah. The actor Charlie Sheen acquired a copy of the movie in 1991. He handed it over to the FBI because he was so appalled by what he saw and was certain of its veracity. The movie was. Oh, oh, wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. When was this? 91. But the movie was made in 85. This makes sense to me. Because we've talked about it before. Japanese horror is body horror. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And 40, a long 45 minutes of a, a person being tortured that's body horror uh-huh um so that makes sense to me um they're they're also much less uh they're they don't care as much about gore as we do so i i can see how that would end up being cr- like pretty intense yeah so, yeah, the movie was already under investigation by the FBI and the Japanese authorities. Now, in the end, it was discovered that the movie was a sim- simulation and that no one was hurt during the production of any of the guinea pig films. So there was more than one or more than two, at least. So a British man was apprehended bringing a copy of Flower and Flesh and Blood into the nation at about the same time. Now, despite the fact that the film was found to be a fake, the judge ordered his arrest for possessing a snuff film. Nevertheless, as a kind of warning, they only penalized him 600 pounds. And that brings us to what is probably the most commonly misidentified film series, um, and that is Faces of Death. 
So, John. Yeah. So I was going to say earlier, um, I thought you might say the one that made me remember this, but I have, I there are people who I know and am friend and and I'm friends with who believe that real snuff films exist, and like to it, I don't think they do, um, because you would not make money from it; it just wouldn't work. So. It's it, it's more cost effective to simulate it is all I'm saying. Yeah. Um. And I feel like it's wild to think. Uh, hold on, hold on. There are people in my life who believe that snuff films exist, and I don't know how to explain to them that it doesn't. And one of them, one of my cousins, always brings up Faces of Death. Um, she's always like, yeah, but Faces of Death is real. And I'm like, no, it's not. It It isn't, though, is the thing. Um, but anyway, go ahead. So because John- it's just... This podcast is powered by Podbean Podcast Hosting. Are you thinking about starting your own podcast? Or looking for the best home for your podcast? Check out all the amazing features that Podbean offers with unlimited bandwidth and storage for an affordable price. That's right, unlimited. Visit www.podbean.com slash unlimited to check it out today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash unlimited. Yeah, so John Allen Schwartz is the writer and director of the 1978 American Mondo horror film Faces of Death later re-releases the original Faces of Death, which is credited to him under the pen name Conan Le Solaire and Alan Black, respectively. So the film features actor Michael Carr as pathologist Francis B. Gross, and that's with an umlaut over the O, and is presented in a documentary style. Now, the narrator shows the audience a selection of clips that depict many horrifying ways in which people pass away from various sources. Now, while the majority of the movie is made out of previously released video material showing actual deaths or the aftermath of deaths, some of the most famous scenes were staged for the movie. Now, despite getting mostly bad reviews, Faces of Death was a big hit at the movie, uh, the box office, bringing in an estimated $35 million worldwide, and that was in 78. It developed a cult Holy following shit. and was later recognized as an important work of art for the cinema and was the inspiration for multiple sequels, uh, the first of which, Faces of Death 2, came out in 1981. So, that's what I'm saying, is that they believe that Faces of Death is real because of those scenes that are, like, previous footage, like, and because of the way it's presented. But, it isn't real. It's a script that they used real footage to tell a story. Right. Um, and we're much more familiar with that style of filmmaking nowadays, but there are people in my life who really still believe in that. Well, the the big thing is that it doesn't fit the definition of snuff film that we talked about at right. the yeah. beginning of the episode. Yes. 
And uh, it's like one of the most famous scenes is because I've seen the movie. My mom and dad rented it for us to watch as a family night one night. (laughs) (laughs) You have the most mysterious upbringing that I've ever heard of. Saw is a Christmas movie in my family. So we um, there was a scene where some restaurant somewhere in another country where the they filmed that there was um, a monkey that was trapped with his head in a table and everyone around the table was given hammers and they bash the monkey's head until he dies. And then they cut his skull open and eat his brains. That was staged. And there was another scene and we'll mention it, but I'll go ahead and say where there was a cannibalistic cult that killed and disemboweled someone and then had an orgy covering themselves in blood that was staged for the most part it was just yeah it was it was either news footage or you know basically what you would see on live leak today um yeah right so okay okay so many still fucked up oh yeah absolutely and it's not like great entertainment but it's one of those things it's kind of like you know getting a tattoo or something to prove that you're a badass i watched faces of death but um yeah uh, yeah many that was um that was always human centipede when i was a kid yeah or you know yeah it's not that impressive when you grow up no <laughs> it's you know, really, or, you'll see worse things just in life two girls one cup one guy one jar things like that oh, that yeah. Um, yeah the true classics right so many direct-to-video sequels uh, with far more genuine footage, some with entirely real footage, were produced. John Allen Schwartz wrote and to some extent directed Faces of Death 2, 3, 4, and Faces of Death Fact or Fiction, which was a documentary about the creation of Faces of Death. Now, real footage from Faces of Death 2 included a dead body being pulled from under a pier, Buddhist self-immolations, napalm bombing, bombings in Vietnam, guerrilla death squads in El Salvador, drug monkeys, dolphin slaughters, train accidents in India, leprosy patients into Cambodia, a death museum with Joaquin Murrieta's Murrieta's preserved head, a driver high on PCP, and a boxer going down for his, quote, final count. The only non-narrator scene that that was staged uh, was a gas station heist that went wrong. Um... And President Ronald Reagan's assassination attempt happened just prior to the film's conclusion and was also shown. Real footage from Faces of Death 3 included the German Autobahn, drug smugglers being blasted away by the Coast Guard, a parachutist landing in a crocodile pit, a videotaped rape slash murder in which... Oh, shit! Well, oh, my God! It was, that a parachuter was, landing oh, yeah. in a crocodile pit? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that one. That's yeah. a... Yeah, that is I may have seen bits and pieces of the second one because a lot of those scenes sounded familiar to me. Ringing bells, are they? Yeah, (laughs) but the uh, that uh, just imagine, you know what I mean? Yeah. Imagine being coming off of the adrenaline rush of your life. Yes. Landing in a fucking crocodile pit to be a skydiver. And and jumping out of a plane, and then landing in a pit of crocodiles. <laughs> what a way to go! Yeah, true. So, what a way to go! And this one, just to show just how fucking metal 
this dude was another scene in faces of death three was a very young christopher lee at the very last public execution by guillotine in france oh wow yeah so faces of death five and six are compilation films from the mid 1990s that contain only the best scenes from the first four films no brand new material and were purposefully distributed in nations where the previous four films were outlawed now um the actor who played Dr. Gross in the first three was replaced by James Schwartz, his brother, played uh, who played Dr. Lewis Flellis in the movie The Worst of Faces of Death, which was released in between episodes three and four and included excerpts from the first three installments. Flellis tells how just the week before, during an operation, he accidentally killed Dr. Gross. Nevertheless, Fellis excuses Dr. Gross's disappearance and faces a death four by claiming that he committed suicide after becoming insane from seeing so many deaths. Everybody get that. There actually ended up being eight uh-huh. fucking faces of death movies. There were eight? Yes. Jesus Christ. So a shortened version of Anton LaVey's... How? Night- it's news footage. News footage is always out there. Um... So, yeah, so a shortened version of Anton LaVey's 1989 film Death Scenes was also released under the title of The Faces of Death 7. And in the late 1990s, another collection of stock material called Faces of Death Part 7 was made available online. Not too long after came Faces of Death 8, and that is a compilation of generally unrelated gory sequences from all around the world that was only released in Germany. It was created by unknown people. And has no on-screen credits other than the title. Go ahead. Are they all made by the same people? Yeah, to that point, yes. Okay, that's what I mean. How did they get the funding? How did they still have money after the first one? A lot of it's public. Yeah. Uh, I guess that's true. Yeah. And whatever they didn't have, they I just guess faked. That's true. Because the very first one had somebody like showing a, like a guy being electrocuted in the electric chair. And that was literally all staged at someone's house. And yeah. And they just like put like Alka-Seltzer in his mouth. And so, so it was announced in May of 2021 that Legendary Entertainment had acquired the movie's rights and that a remake directed by Daniel Goldhaber and Issa Mazay was in the works with Barbie Ferrer, Ferri, Ferreria and Dacray Montgomery will feature in the film. So they're actually remaking it. Now, before we go any further, um, there was also Traces of Death, which I've, I've seen that one as well. Me and the boys after work one night watched it, and that one was literally all just stock footage of like just people jumping out of buildings and, and blowing their brains out. And They actually showed a... Um, a transsexual operation of man to woman. They showed that. Uh, but that's the, actually interesting. Yeah. And they showed like a brain surgery on a baby. I don't want to see it, but it's interesting. Yeah. And I remember they like I don't showed know. the kind of want to like, you know, one of those uh, bloodless like 3D simulation gifts. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'd yeah, love yeah. one of those. Oh, I no, this, like this was not bloodless. Yeah, this was not bloodless. The real thing. <laughs> This was not bloodless, and it was very up close and detailed. But um, yeah, well, uh, yeah. 
the one I remember. I the, don't know why you get to show that. With uh, did they have consent for oh, that? I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure it was they actually had, like training purposes and stuff. I guess. And then if it's training footage, you have to get if, if you agree to that, then you know. I get right. it. okay. Correct. So the one I remember the most, um, it was in my early twenties. There was a record store near my house that sold used CDs, and they also got bootleg cds and videos and stuff and one of the things i found was nine inch nails it was called nine inch nails the x files and it was all the nine inch nails videos but it it also included the broken movie because there was nine inch nails ep called broken and that talked about this before i believe yeah that movie was shot and i actually thought i was watching a real life snuff film and because the way it was shot, mm. it looks at the only reason I realized it wasn't real is because the killer in the video actually showed up in one of the professionally shot music videos. And I was like, oh, OK, yeah. just, but it was still it was so graphic and so realistic that it freaked me out for a long time. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You were t- you, I, you have told us about that yeah. before. That's always been interesting to me. Like, what is the point? I guess I just don't understand what is the point entertainment value wise of doing that or is it just for the shock value it was just for for shock shock value at the time trent reznor was one of those i'm gonna shock you and yeah i got you so there have been rumors over the years that certain serial killers have produced snuff films some like otis tool and henry lee lucas who both claimed to have killed hundreds of people and were only found guilty of killing six each claim to have recorded their crimes on camera. Now, however, both men were compulsive liars and the tapes uh, were never found. Leonard Lake and Charles Ng, who committed suicide after being apprehended, um, I wrote that weird, sorry. Ng was found guilty of 11 murders and may have committed as many as 25 more, recorded themselves abusing and torturing a number of their victims, but never the actual killings. Reporters naturally speculated that since Fred and Rosemary West were well-known for making homemade porno films, um, that Fred murdered himself at the scene, leaving his wife Rosemary convicted of 10 murders, including the death of both of her own, both her own daughter and Fred's stepdaughter, that perhaps they also produced snuff pictures, but none could ever be located. Now, um, arguably the video that is... What is the market? I just... The, the dark web... I guess. Yeah, that's what it's always been assumed, basically, or just rich sickos. Yeah. I guess. I mean, we don't... It just doesn't make much sense to me, I guess. Like, as a concept, Yeah. like, you know, if I'm a rich sicko, I'll do it myself. Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) Rich sickos who don't want to get their own hands dirty. I'll pay somebody to do it in front of me. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, but then there's a paper trail directly back to you. You know what I mean? It's not if I use cash. Uh, (laughs) Drug dealers have been doing that for a long time. Yeah, fair. (laughs) I have been watching Breaking Bad. You're right. So the movie that is, or the video that is arguably the closest to a snuff film, um, and whose existence can be verified is one lunatic, one ice pick. The eleven also, minute. As our yeah. modern day, ah, uh, as now, our modern day society has proven, if the people who control the fucking information paper trails are also in on it, uh, doesn't matter. 
I did forget about this video. What actually excludes this from being it, we'll because there. there wasn't a, a monetary motivation? We'll get there. So the 11-minute movie, which was performed by Luca Magnata, reveals everything but the exact moment of death. Magnata tried to become ah. famous or infamous for the majority of his life. He worked as an escort, uh, made appearances in pornographic movies, and had numerous reality show auditions. He looked to the internet to discover his popularity after all of this failed. He became well-known for his videos of animal abuse. And that's where there's actually a documentary, I think it was on Netflix, called uh, Don't Fuck With The Cats or something like that. Yeah, it's it's Don't Fuck With Cats. Yeah, uh, yeah I can't watch it. It doesn't actually show it. Oh. Scott watched that. He nope. said it was really it, bad. It plays the audio, yeah. and that is why I cannot watch it. So on May 25th, what did, what did he do? What is this he would happening put again? Cats, he tortured somebody. Yeah. yeah, he would put cats in the, those kind of vacuum bags. You know what I'm talking about? That you put clothes in and then you attach a vacuum and it sucks uh, all the yeah. air out. He would put kittens in that and suck all the air out and suffocate them and videotape it. That's fucked up. So on May 25th, 20, 2012, One Lunatic, One Ice Pick was posted to an extreme gore website. The offender, later identified as student uh, Jun Lin, was shown in the video stabbing are stabbing, dismembering, decapitating, and sodomizing a dead victim while wearing a purple hoodie. Now, according to reports, the cops Jesus. the cops discovered a cannibalism-filled extended edit of the film. Now, a number of viewers reported the video to the authorities because they were so uncomfortable with what they were seeing. Ironically, after years of investigating reports that turned out to be snuff hoaxes, the police rejected the complaints. The police didn't know the footage was authentic until... Um, corpse parts were sent to regional political parties after a global manhunt jesus yeah magnata was apprehended in germany and returned to canada through extradition he is currently receiving a life sentence after being found guilty of first degree murder and a few other minor offenses and i think um i wrote wrong that i put the offender identified as student june lynn that was the victim not the offender um so if the gotcha. if the murder was never seen in the video, why is one lunatic, one ice pick close to snuff? With several different camera perspectives and low-budget production qualities, this movie was edited. One lunatic, one ice pick even used a title screen in the same New Order song that begins the movie American Psycho, True Faith, during its opening credits. It was offered for likes rather than cash. So in the end, snuff films are ultimately comparable to the satanic panic of the 1980s. People are horrified and disgusted by them, but there is no proof that they exist. There are, in fact, deaths on film, news reports from combat zones, propagandist pieces, and mishaps. But a clandestine business uh, where people are killed for entertainment of others is not a likely possibility. And that's it. That shit is insane to me. Yeah. Like, that video is... That's proof to me that the definition might be a little bit too strict. Yeah. Because that's a fucking snuff film. It's, I think, especially in the modern day where internet fame is uh, valued as highly as money. Yeah. You can yeah. count uh, for attention I, look, as a snuff film. Charlie or 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 Moist Critical has has done multiple videos on YouTuber pranksters who have gotten killed or shot and lived, but like for doing their quote unquote pranks. Pranks, yeah. but 
like for YouTube clout only, yeah. like not even for real internet fame. Like that shit is in it's intoxicating to a certain type of person, mm-hmm. and they will do damn near anything to get it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the 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 less stable they are, the worse they will do. And I I honestly think and again, we will never actually do a deep dive on it, but uh Daisy's destruction would almost certainly be considered a snuff film. And that does exist. And Yeah, it wasn't yeah, it's just live never been publicly though? released. Yeah, it just hasn't been released for money. Yeah, it has. On the dark web, people were paying $10,000 for it. Jesus. Jesus. And maybe that is a snuff film. That is literally a snuff film. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if that's the case, like, that's the exception that proves the rule. Yeah. Is like, it. that's the one. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I'm, again, I am certain that there are real snuff films out there. You and I and anybody listening to this podcast will probably never see it. Right. We'll never see one. No. Because, number one, you don't have $10,000 just lying around. And number two... Um, You're not the type of psychotic monster that right. would pay that $10,000 to see a murder. Even if you know how to use the dark web, you don't know how to get there. You know right. what I mean? Like, it's... You do not know the channels and the people that you need to know. I'm to- sure there's more than a couple of people who listen to this podcast that do. There might be. Cause there, there's a lot of people who got into the dark web as like a morbid curiosity and learned how to navigate it. Yeah. And never used it for anything nefarious, but absolutely know how sure. to get to the places where you can. I, but that's what I'm saying though, is even on those places, you have to know people and have references. Yeah. Like, you don't know those people. You know how to get to the website for sure. I could get to the Silk Road when I was a teenager. It doesn't mean I knew how to get anything off of it. Like, it's... I mean, I probably could have gotten, like, drugs, but I wouldn't have been able to buy, like, a person or, like, you know, anything more illicit than really... You know what I'm saying? Like. Yeah. There's a there's a certain level and snuff film hits that level of you must know people to get it. There's just no way. Um and you must have money to get it as well. Yeah. It's I think in a lot of scenarios the $10,000 is the main reference that you need to get stuff like that. Right. So I I think it's not so much probably it's not so much that there's no such thing as snuff films. I think it's more to the fact that it's not as prevalent as people would have you believe. Like, again, it's it's when I say it's more cost effective to just simulate it. I mean that I mean, there's enough public footage out there that you know what it looks like if you want to do that research. And you can absolutely simulate that on camera and you can repeat it for way cheaper than it takes to fucking repeat an actual murder and get the shots right and the lighting right and the timing and the whatever, all that shit. Like it's the film part of snuff film makes it hard. You know what I mean? So because if you're going to sell something for money to make a profit, it. It absolutely cannot just be a video of you killing someone. Right. Just like a fucking TikToker. You know what I mean? Right. 
Um, people ain't gonna pay for it. So real Don't go qu- to live leak. <laughs> yeah. So real quick, I have been actually going back and listening to our old episodes so I can find clips for the ad. And the other day uh-huh. I actually listened to the very first episode, Slenderman Stabbings. It is hilarious how professional Ruben and I were trying to be in that episode. <laughs> yeah, I gave up giving a shit a long time ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. Honestly, I think because the third episode, I think, was Dybbuk Box. And I think that's where you decided, fuck it, I'm not going to be serious about this. So The third episode was what? The Dybbuk Box. Or if it wasn't oh, if it yeah. wasn't the yep. Dybbuk box, then it was uh-huh. Dudley Town. I know one of those two is where you were like, fuck, I'm not no, I'm not taking you seriously anymore. Ah, uh, the birth of the ghost strokes. Yep. Yep. I'm actually while I'm doing way going, back when. Yeah. Third our third well, it was our third it was our third deep dive. Cause it was we that was back when we were doing one week would be a deep dive, the next week would be a campfire's tales before we started doing two episodes a week. But um, yeah, so it was our third two towns over episode because we also had the hook hand door guy, hook hand car door. Yeah. Hand, <laughs> but, um, hand, <laughs> hand door hook. Go, yeah. Yeah. Car, hand door hook car door hook car man. Yeah. I'm actually. <laughs> Did you see the, the Jeffy episode where he does that? No. Yeah. Oh, but while I'm going back and listening for clips, I'm actually going to try to see if I can put together the Ghost Strokes backstories, all the albums and songs oh, yeah. and everything. You know, you compile it. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah, bro. So real quick before send we send it to me and I will actually organize it into something that makes sense on like a musical career timeline. I'll make him a fucking Wikipedia. I don't care. <laughs> Dead ass. Like if you compile the info, just send it to me in a list and I'll fix it. Like, right. So, um, before we go, I didn't get a, it wasn't on last week's episode because we had uh, audio issues at the very end that I had to cut. But I do want to remind you that right now we are, for every $20 we get on Patreon, we will do a bonus episode. That means if we get 10 $2 patrons, bonus episode. If we get four $5 patrons, bonus episode. If you're already a patron. You know. And yeah. The if, factors of 20. Right. Yep. And Those if, ones. Right. Also, what we are going to do is before I was smart enough to just start getting my research books on Kindle. I was actually buying physical copies of books that are now taking up way too much fucking space in my house. So for everybody who joins patron Patreon or are already a patron, uh, we haven't figured out the exact date yet, but we will do a raffle of all of the research books that I have, which includes the journals of Carl Tanzler, uh, the, the book, uh, uh, I forget the name of it now. Eternal Love or whatever. The story of Carl Tanzler and Elena Hoyos and uh, the Satanic Panic essay book that I used a lot for the Satanic Panic series, which is a really nice, big um, print book. It's almost a coffee table book. Um, So all of these hard copy books that I have, we will do a raffle for each one. And if you're a patron or you join us, by the whenever we decide to stop this bonus thing 
uh, you'll be entered in the raffle and I will mail you the books. Some of them have my notes and underlinings and everything in them. And if I can, if it's after Ruben and Josh arrive, we'll even autograph them for you. Um, that's where or, we're. Or if you, if you absolutely would hate them to be autographed, then we just won't do that. Right. It's up to you. Yeah. Well, we'll ask. <laughs> it's all consensual, baby. So, um, I think that's all the notes we have. Be prepared next week. It's actually going to be kind of a big episode or two, but we're not going to tell you what it is. Uh, Josh will lay hints in it's the Discord. If you want to go to our Discord, uh, the links will be in the descriptions. Um, join our Discord. It's actually getting a little more lively. Um, people are starting to respond and interact with each other. I wake up some mornings and there's like 30 messages since the last time I looked at Discord. And Ruben's even come online. I've got notifications on now. Yeah. So I'll be in there sometimes. Yeah, if it's something he wants not to talk about. Not all the time. About. I'm still not like super online or nothing. But, yeah. uh, you know, you might see me if I'm feeling goofy. Um. So, yeah, we're going to wrap it up because Josh has uh, plans. Um, and uh, <laughs> so you know the routine. Uh, <laughs> fuck cancer. You Be good to like yourselves. One uh, merchant in Hollow Knight. <laughs> <laughs> so fuck the bitchels. I'm fuck cancer. Too much Hollow Knight. God. Be good to yourselves. Shout out to the plant babies and their mommies, and we will see you guys next time. Bye. 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 Bye.